You're listening to TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. TalkZone.com. Hello, world. This is your competitive advantage, and my name is Tom Tubergen. I'm your host for today's show. I've long been interested in the relationship of leadership and the impact that it has on the results that we produce or don't produce. More importantly, how does our leadership skill as a business owner or a manager impact the eventual outcome of our business venture? My suspicion is that the decisions we make or that we don't make as business owners and in leaders contributes far more to our business struggles than the economy, the employees, George Bush, or the new Walmart store down the road that we typically blame for our problems. As competitive as we can be when we're playing a round of golf or watching sports on television, why do we take such a passive approach towards managing and running our business? Why is it so difficult for us business owners to step back and assess our own leadership? Why are we so focused on surviving this week and meeting Friday's payroll, but we don't pay any attention to where we want to be a year from now? So those are some of the questions that I've had on my mind today, and I've invited Ken Pash to visit and try to help us understand what steps are required for us as owners and leaders to not only survive, but to refine our own personal competitive edge in the business world. Twenty years in the United States Air Force gave Ken a lot of opportunities to earn his leadership wings. While on duty in Asia, Ken was exposed to a fascinating concept that the people in Japan call Ki, a connection between all humans. Ken is so convinced in the relationship between Ki, which is spelled K-I, between Ki and leadership that he established Ki Visions to help people and organizations unlock their potential, achieve their goals, and enjoy the journey through life. Ken is currently an instructor at the Smeal College of Business at Penn State University. So, Ken, welcome to our show this morning, and we're looking forward to talking to you about some of these issues of leadership. You know, one of the things that I was wondering about is when people are so competitive in so many different areas of their life, and I'm thinking just like Saturday and Sunday, you know, just being really competitive with your favorite football team or baseball team. Sure. You know, why do so many managers and business owners do nothing more than focus on survival when it comes to running their business? Because they don't think they know what to do. I don't think most people have been trained in this understanding. When you look at it, there's very few leaders out there that have really taken on a good leadership mantra. I think Jack Welch is such a, 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 you know, the old brain is working here today. There aren't very many of Jack Welch's around. And, you know, I mean, when you look at what he did and his visionary process and when he went through different things and how he brought GE to where it was and how he was a great successor to the guy before him and how Jeff Immelt has been a great successor to Jack Welch, you know, you get these homegrown talent kind of guys that grew up watching others and figured out, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to do this. And too many people are so focused on their task list they have no understanding of what they really need to be doing, and it's one of the things we do in one of the seminars, a little deeper than we'll get to on in Vegas and some other places, but we talk to people about their orientation, and their orientation is wrong. Their orientation is on time management, as though they can actually manage their time. You can't. You can be effective with the time you have, but you know, 
24 hours is 24 hours, and there's nothing you can do to stretch that or make that better, but you can deal with it more efficiently. So you can use your time more efficiently, but you can't manage your time. And too many people are just focused into that task list, their to-do list, and that's what they do in a day. And they don't see anything beyond that. They don't understand, does this task that I'm about to do have anything to do with my strategic vision? It's just on my list, so I do it. You know, a lot of times I think people look at strategic vision and think that it means they've got to meet payroll three days from now. Yeah, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. That strategic vision is only as far out as my task list is out. Bingo. And those things that are coming up right now, i got to take care of them. Well, you know what? There's other ways to do it. And there's much better ways to do it. And I think that's what typically happens with people is they just don't have a clue of how to look into the future and see what's really important, what is changing, how I need to change and adapt and get my organization to change and adapt so that I can be flexible enough that when it comes time, all right, we're going this way, now let's turn a little bit and go this way. And, you know, they're still marching on the same path that they've been marching on forever. And the reason that they're getting behind is because they haven't seen that the world has changed. The world has moved on. They have not. And so they're so focused on just trying to catch up with the world, and they'll never make it. That's a perfect segue into one of my next questions I was going to ask you about. What are some of the first steps that a manager needs to take in order to get his organization to compete more effectively? Well, the first thing, and when we talk about this leadership stuff, one of the things I think people have to recognize is that there is true value in leaders and leadership. And there's any number of quotes that we could cite that talk to how valuable leaders are, but I think the practical application, we go back to the Jack Welch. Jack Welch was a leader, whether you liked him or not, and when he, he first came in, he got the title Neutron Jack because, you know, uh, the old neutron bomb when it came out, it was to leave buildings standing but no people. Well, he got that title as though that's what his goal was, was to reduce cost by reducing people. That wasn't his idea. His idea was, what I've got to do is I've got to make sure we've got the right people in the right positions in order to grow the company. And GE did not have a lot of good people in a lot of the right positions. And so the first job is to understand that I've got four roles that I've got to play. And I use an acronym that I love because I think people feel this way on their drive home most days. You feel slammed sometimes when you're on that drive home, and uh, a lot of people do feel slammed, and they were the day that they were appointed boss. And I don't think people realize they've got four primary roles they've got to play. They've got to play supervisor, they've got to play leader, they've got to play administrator, and they've got to play manager. So, so, so let's talk a little bit more about the specific components of your acronym SLAM. Okay, because it does fit. I mean, we haven't asked, we haven't answered your other question yet, so I want to make sure we go back because we do have to answer that question. Absolutely, these pieces do fit in this process because I don't think most people realize that regardless of their position, whether they're Jack Welch at the top of GE, how many hundreds of thousands of people did, does GE employ, or you're the shift person on at McDonald's for the evening rush hour. It doesn't matter. You likely have four roles that you've got to play. And the first role we talked about is just the supervisor. I'm going to have some people, direct reports, people like to call them, 
that the organization is going to tell me, okay, Ken, I expect you to tell the organization and the person how well that person is performing their duties. And when they're not meeting those duties, it is your job to help them understand what they need to do to improve so that they continue their employment with us. And it's not your job to be their friend. Oh, you know, we could talk about parents. (laughs) (laughs) We could talk about teachers. We could talk about business people. All of them have to realize, yeah, I like being liked. I'm a human being. I want others to think I'm an okay guy. But that's not my primary role when I'm given a position of authority, whether that's a parent, a teacher, or in an organization. And yeah, I'm not there to be their friend. Now, if I can do the job and have people say, you know, he's really not a bad guy, that's great. But that he's not a bad guy is secondary to getting the job done. And sometimes, you know, tough love is a requirement. I've got to just make sure people understand... I'm not doing them any favors by not helping them grow. Because if I don't point out their weaknesses, I don't point out those things that they're not performing to standard, then I'm just failing them in their ability to get the best out of life. And so, yeah. So and you're limiting your organization's capabilities or output based on their weaknesses. That's right. You know, we pay all this money. When we, when we look at most organizations, most organizations' biggest cost is in their people whether that be regular pay or overtime or benefits or training or you name it, and then we don't get the best out of them, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I think it goes back to this uh, issue of we want to be their friend as well as their boss, and you can be one or you can be the other, but usually not both. Well, I actually, have you heard of Douglas McGregor? Yes. Okay. Douglas McGregor's Theory X, Theory Y is a great theory for most people that are going to be in a position of authority to study. And most people take it the wrong way. Most people believe that Douglas McGregor thought that people were either Theory X, they were either not willing to work, or they had to be watched all the time, or they were Theory Y on the other end of the spectrum, where they just saw work as natural as rest and play, and they just came in, you told them what to do, and they would just naturally do it. Uh, that's not what the theory really talks about. The theory talks about the leader's perception. And the leader's perception of people is that they are either worthless and lazy and i got to ride herd all the time, or they are just naturally loving work. Well, you know what? Most people are a mix of both. And the leader has to recognize how I come into this operation. I have to get people to understand what my primary role is. My primary role is to serve the organization, and that means serving the people as well and getting them to perform as best they can. And so maybe I have to have a little bit of a Theory X understanding because i got to recognize people are humans. Right. And so I've got to deal with them as humans. Now, over time, I can build up, and there's story after story we could discuss about how leaders have started out with a somewhat of a Theory X mindset built up a reputation that says, hey, the primary issue is we're going to get the job done. And if I can do that then, and you and I can have a relationship, and that doesn't mean that we get married or do anything like that, but we just have a relationship where we're we're friendly, we're sociable, we can do that too, that's got to be secondary. 
And uh, if we don't make that secondary, um, you will not be able to work well. Because Let's I think talk about the other next couple of letters of your sure. acronym, leadership and yeah. management. So. Well, leadership, what is it? Is it a process or is it a role? Are leaders born or are they made? Because these topics get discussed all the time. Frankly, I think they're a little bit of both. I think it's a process and a role. I think people can be born natural leaders, but I also believe that leaders can be made. When we look at organizations like the Marine Corps, ask the Marine Corps whether or not leaders can be made, and they'll tell you absolutely, because they have a process that puts people through a leadership training uh, scenarios and situations, and they grow leaders. They're just not naturally leaders. They become leaders over time. And so this process that we go through to develop ourselves as a leader also fits into this idea that it is a role that we play, and it is significantly different than the other roles. And we're going to find that we're going to be more comfortable in some roles than others. And I think a lot of people are not comfortable in this leader role because it's not easy to define. We're going to talk about management in a minute, which is the very last role. Management is a fairly simple, almost totally scientific role where I have certain levels of resources that are going to be inputs to the process and certain level of outputs from that process, and I can measure them. I can define them. I can tell you how much time they took. I can tell you how much money it took, and I can tell you how much revenue was generated as a result. So the management efficiencies of that very scientific process can be very well defined, and I think that's why most business schools concentrate on the management role that people in positions of authority play, where they don't deal much with this leader role because it's thought of as soft or very subjective. And yeah, there is a lot of artistry to the leader role because I've, the way I manage resources cannot be the way I lead people because people can't be managed because we all have our own personalities, we all have our own habits, we all have, excuse me, we all have our own cultures. There's so many other pieces that have to be dealt with in that leader role, and a lot of leaders or people in positions of authority shy away from that because then i got to get to know the person before I know what's going to motivate them because I, I say, hey, I've got the employee of the month plaque that I put up every month. Well, you know what? There's a whole lot of people that just aren't motivated by the employee of the month plaque. There's some that are. But there's a whole bunch that that just turns off. And I don't think leaders recognize that because they don't understand what it means to be a leader. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Ken Pash about how you can take your competitive nature and translate it into your professional life. Just a quick reminder that if you want to get a hold of Ken, just visit our show page on TalkZone.com where you'll find all of his biographical and profile information, including how you can contact Ken Pash. So we'll be right back immediately after this commercial break. Now is the time of year to begin planning your outdoor expeditions for the coming summer season. While you're at it, don't forget to visit www.topsportsupplies.com. 
Whether you're planning an expedition in a wilderness area or an adventure to a remote corner of your backyard, Top Sport Supplies has over 19,000 tents, backpacks, apparel, binoculars, hunting equipment, camping, and outdoor gear in stock. Best of all, you can shop from the comfort and the convenience of your home or desk. TopSportSupplies.com. It's your adventure. Do you feel like your business is running you right into the ground? Do you always seem to have more questions than answers? Every month, the Business Performance Analysis Engine at www.MentoringSuccessGroup.com asks you a series of detailed questions about every aspect of your business. Your answers are carefully calculated and compared against your competitors, and you get a confidential diagnostic report that shows you where your strengths are. Specific weaknesses and business issues are prioritized for you to focus on during the following month. We compare your performance to your peers and your competitors from around the world. And now, exclusively for our listening audience, you can get half off of our regular monthly subscription rate. Simply use the code RADIO when you sign up, and we'll take half off of the monthly subscription rate. www.mentoringsuccessgroup.com